Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. This episode number 328 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up now at fanduel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 welcome bonus. Welcome into the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast as we look forward to a Game 7. A little bit of nerves, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of everything. I'm your host, Steve Forney, as always, joined by Mark Allred. And it's a pleasure to have a special guest with us today, Grace Roberts, uh, coming to us from the Carolinas. You can check her out on Twitter at grobs87651. Grace, how are you? It's nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Can't wait to talk some uh, Bruins hockey and uh, hopefully get us ready for a, a big win tonight. Well, that's certainly the plan, Mark. Uh, let's. We're going to hope for the best. I hope you had a good week, my friend. I did. I'm absolutely amped. I should be nervous, but I'm amped. But there's there's signs out there, Steve, that this is going to be a positive night. I have ducks on my roof. So somewhere in the world, that is lucky. And also, Winston farted so loud, he scared the crap out of himself this morning and went right into a zoomie that was epic. Epic. Going back and forth, back and forth. I swear to God, he was going to run through my, my glass door. This little bastard is so much fun. And I mean, that's a sign too. I just, I feel so good about tonight and, oh, I'm amped. I'm ready. Let's go. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's hope for the best. We do. Um, there's a lot of storylines so far. There's a lot of things to take away from game six. I think the biggest thing, which I'll sort of start with off the top is I'd like to know who each of you are starting in goal today. I would go to Swayman. I, I think that that's, I've sort of gone back and forth uh, and I just woke up this morning sort of feeling like, I 
I agree the change should have happened several games ago. Um, but I don't think there's – I know there's a lot of talk, danger about putting him in cold. You know, is that going to be an issue? Yeah, I would have rather you not go in cold. But I also think that – I think Swayman's a really good goalie. I think that he's better than a lot of starting goalies in the league. And I think that we have to put our faith in him the same way that we've sort of trusted him all year. Um, and also trust that there are going to be adjustments made and and a better defense hopefully in front of him uh, than Allmark saw the last couple of games. So I think that'll be a good opportunity for Allmark to get some rest, Swayman to show that he's capable, um, and just get us back on track. So that's where I've come down on the matter, at least. How about you, Mark? What do you uh, think? Yeah, I mean, something's got to happen. Uh, change needs to needs to happen, um, whether it be in goal or or the game out front of the crease. Um, and I would have to say, yeah, I, I would have to agree with Grace and, and and several other people that have mentioned that maybe a goaltending change is needed to try to salvage um, this, this Stanley Cup playoff run where we're at game seven against the Panthers. And I don't know, it just, you know, the 1A, 1A throughout the season was amazing. I just really thought that it would be a lot better than what, what we're seeing right now. But I'm not blaming the goaltending on any of these losses. I just think it's a group effort that we're all failing together. And, um, you know, I, I just, a goaltender is only as good as the crew out in front of you. And we're not seeing a lot of good um, play uh, throughout the series. And I, I'm even game one, when the three to one win was not a very good game, it was sloppy and so on. But, you know, here we are at the final day of, of round one against the Panthers and, I'm going to have to say that I would go with um, with Swayman just for maybe the idea of 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 Allmark possibly being injured a little bit. So that's that's my take. Yeah, I I definitely think there's something wrong with Allmark. I think he's he's doing a lot of Tim Thomas esque flopping around, even on that overtime goal. It's like when he goes down, he doesn't rush to get up. He tries to make a play from the ice, which uh, is not good. I mean, he made a couple of double, you know, those double stack pad saves where if he just got up um, maybe that would have been a little better. I, I kind of like what Grace said. I, I, we talked about it last week. I wish Swayman started last Sunday. They scored six goals. They didn't have another game till Wednesday. That would have been the time to rest. Omar. Now we say rest Omar. Well, for what? Cause if you lose, he's got all off season. So I, I would have loved to, I'd love to go to Swayman, but I think at this point when you are the, you're the president's trophy winner. You are breaking all kinds of records. Now you're making massive adjustments against an eight seed. Like you shouldn't have to do that. My only concern is that Allmark is hurt. If he was playing, if he had a couple bad games, I would stick with him. But I, I just, I, I, I'm a little annoyed that this change hasn't happened sooner. And I'd like to think that Swayman can get out there and at least make a couple of big saves for you. But if Allmark's hurt and it's a liability, I think that's, that's where the issue is. So, um, I don't know. I don't think Montgomery has announced it yet. I bet he probably won't until game time. I know he mentioned a little bit about Swayman. He talked about him, um, talked about Linus Allmark as well. But yeah, just he seems he seems banged up. He seems like it's there's something lower body that's that's really bothering him. And um, and I'm not sure not sure what it is. I'm sure we'll find out at the end of the year. But at what point does again, you, Mark? You talk about guys like Goalie Bob and Mike Dunham. At one point do those guys kind of step in and say, look, man, I know you want to play and you want to get out there, but like you're becoming a liability. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure those conversations go on because 
throughout the regular season, particularly towards the end, you've heard Montgomery be very vocal on who he talks to about who is going to be that night starter. Um, and goalie Bob really sticks with these this tandem and um, and works closely and knows their trends and so on and knows when they're not fully prepared, they're having a bad day, something happened uh, at home uh, that could affect something and um, in, in games. And, you know, I, I have full faith in what he says, but ultimately it comes down to uh, uh, Jim Montgomery's decision. And uh, I really think that maybe a change in goal would, would, would really benefit the organization and the players. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's our last ditch, you know, we got to keep our, our playoff lives going. So if this has to be done, it has to be done. Yeah. And I, I also think that, you know, it's not like we're talking about going to, you know, a, a backup goalie that we haven't seen consistency from all year. So I, I think that that's another part of it. You know, I, I think back to several years ago when it was, I remember going to an island the in the playoff against the Islanders. I think it was the second round. Seeing Tuka Rask, I was like, he looks like he's hurt. And at that point, you know, we didn't, you know, it, it, there's a difference, you know, going, stepping down from that and stepping down from Omar to Swayman, who's been so great for us. So I, I, I feel less nervous than I think I could in a lot of different circumstances. And if we were, you know, talking about a different team. Um, so at least I think that's one thing to feel good about. and makes me more confident, even, even if Swayman's going in cold. Yeah. I think those might've been the Anton Hudobin backup years. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was the option there. Maybe might've been um, Halak. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been, could have been. So, um, yeah, no, I think Swimming's definitely an upgrade over the both of them. The only, the only thing is, is, you know, neither of these guys have, have the playoff sort of, you know, expectation expectations. They don't have the playoff pedigree. They haven't had the, the proof has not been in the pudding yet. And, you know, we talked about that too. Like all marks had a great year, but he has yet to prove that he can play consistently every game or win the playoffs. And so here we are in game seven and still neither one of those things have really been proven. So um, game seven tonight, it is Sunday, seven o'clock. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, 630, but it's a national game. So who knows? 643, 648, 638. <laughs> Just give me the freaking time so I know when to make my nachos ready because I sit down at 630 <laughs> and by the time the game actually starts, half my dinner's gone. So um, if they could just, if, if Paul Bissonette or whoever it is can just tell me what time the freaking game actually starts, I'd be greatly appreciated for my dinner's sake. Uh, Mark, do you have something to, you want to add for the um, the goalie goalie talk there? Yeah, I, I actually did. I'm actually looking at Linus Allmark's numbers right now uh, in the 2022-23 playoffs, and he's 3-3, three and three, um, and he's got a 3.33 goals against average and uh, an 896 save percentage. But his career playoff numbers – He's uh, three and five with a 3.54 goals against and a 0.888 save percentage. Not good. No, no, not good. And I, I was going to say, I know that uh, Swayman, for what it's worth, his playoff career record at home is three and oh, you know, so I, 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 if we're looking at just the historical things, sure. Let's, you know, go with that. I, 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 I take the risk. Let's choose chaos today. Yeah. I guess so. Um, (laughs) So again, if they if they do win, well, the winner of the series anyway will take on the Toronto Maple Leafs, who uh, eliminated Tampa. I, I have to, I mean, take my Bruins fandom aside as a hockey fan. Toronto versus Florida would be uh, uh, would suck. I mean, Bruins Maple Leafs second round original six. Let's go! Like even if you're a freaking Minnesota Wild fan, I think that's what you want to see is is Boston Toronto. 
Um, nothing would scare the bejesus out of the folks in Toronto than having to face the Bruins. That would just be like pre-2004 Red Sox level of angst and chaos. That's what I'm looking for. So um, we'll see. The winner will uh, the winner will go take on the Maple Leafs. Uh, Grace, I wanted to ask you about something that Mark and I were talking about last week that continued um, in game six, uh, just turnovers. And especially on the defensive side, the first period was a hot mess. They couldn't get the puck out of their own zone. To me, it's, it's, it's trying to get the puck out of the zone. They, they have the easy route and then they have the tricky route and they keep choosing the tricky route for some reason. And I don't know why just flip it up and out. Um, what have you noticed from the D, the D, not only the penalties, my God, the penalties, but the, the turnovers in their own, particularly in their own zone? Yeah. Um, I think Mark and I were saying that it, a lot of it is it's unforced, you know, unforced errors that are just, like you said, a, an easy pass could be made, but we're taking the, the tricky route, which I think is especially concerning when, you know, you think about how much success we've had historically, or this season, at least with, with, our, our defense has been great. And I mean, you know, Lindholm's a Norris trophy candidate. McAvoy is consistently incredible. Adding Orloff was something else entirely. So there's definitely a, a, I think, I don't know if I want to blame it on nerves. I don't know if I want to blame it on just trying to do too much in the playoffs um, about why we're so consistently turning it over. I was, I was saying that I'm, I'm almost certain that the Bruins have assisted on like 75 to 80 percent of the Panthers goals I mean it's just it's 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 really it's it doesn't feel forced and I think that's the scariest part so I think I don't know maybe a part of it is the the changing up and the inconsistency in the defensive lines I I I don't know I I also want to you know give the the benefit of the doubt to the forwards that I think there are open passes forward um but for whatever reason you know not they're not hitting them they're they're choosing to take this difficult route that's ultimately turning it over and and in such dangerous places i mean the the bertuzzi pass the other night that ended up in the i think it was the first maybe it was the second florida goal i mean just these are players who who you know have shown that they they know the right passes to make um Especially that, like, you know, Bertuzzi in the offensive zone. Was that the one that Bertuzzi flung out that went up out of the zone right to Florida on a two on one? Yes. I mean, that yep. was that was bad. Like that, that was, was disastrous. Really yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think that especially like such especially, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Bertuzzi. He's such a talented passer that for whatever reason, the, the worst place to suddenly lose those passing abilities is right where he suddenly loses the passing abilities. So um, I don't know. I'm hoping they can clean it up tonight. Uh, I think that. I think adding Grizzlick, I think he has a really great ability often to break out of the defensive zone and, and not necessarily even needing that pass. So I, I think that maybe if we can cut out the, the need even for the pass at all, it's it's helpful. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely interested to hear, hear uh, your thoughts on that as well, Mark. Yeah, um, it's definitely got to get better. Cleaner, cleaner exits and better zone entries. Um, and for a majority of the Boston Bruins regular season, you know, we were the defensive style team that was really pushing the um, the opponent to the side, not letting them get to the goal. This playoff series is just, it flipped the, an absolute switch. And now we can't even get close to the net. We're not getting quality shots. Um, our net front presence is, is kind of there, but it needs to be more. Um, yeah. And, and I'm not overly thrilled from what I've seen. And I know, I know Dmitry Orloff has been playing very well since he got here in Boston, but 
uh, and he's and he's getting the points. He's getting on the score sheet, but there's also his turnovers are pretty rough. Derek Forbert, I don't know what happened to him. I know he came back from an injury and so on, but he's kind of, you know, been a shell of himself. And um, who else? Who else? Oh, Hampus Lifton. Lindholm. Oh, Lindholm. <clears throat> Lifton. Like, guys, we need a, a milk cart with your faces on it, guys. You know, this defense, this defense was so good during the regular season. What happened when it really counts? And that's kind of frustrating. But that's also one of my bigger issues on why the goaltending might not be so good. Uh, do we really need to blame Linus Olmark on all of everything? I know I know, Bruins Twitter and the internet is, is very mad at Linus right now. But, you know, it's also what's going on can be construed of what is being seen in front of him or lack thereof. Like, I don't know how many goals we've seen Florida score from the hash marks. Like if that's where they're going and that's where they're generating the play, let's get somebody over there and try to knock it out, get some sticks in the lane and so on to try to just mildly disrupt what they're doing. And I think you'll be successful, but if you can't do it now and the Bruins win, it's not going to get any easier in the next round. Every round that the Bruins consistently get into, it's going to get more and more difficult. And this Boston Bruins team just needs to, whether you're a forward or you're on the back end, the defensive style of your game, which made you so successful this year, eight late losses, I think. I'm not sure. 12 losses, whatever. Let's get back to that. I, I'm Now I'm getting worked up. Now I'm well, getting nervous. And let's not sugarcoat <laughs> it. The, the two things that the, the, the biggest thing that both of these goalies have done this season during the regular season was bail out bad turnovers. And let's not let's not think that this turnover thing is new. They've been they've been giving the puck away all year. The difference is, is the goalies are making the saves, you know, when you're playing Columbus and in Carolina. And, you know, so now the saves just aren't there, but the turnovers still are. And, you know, I think everyone's giving Allmark a hard time because they're still pissed about what was it, game five there in overtime, which we can get into. But I still don't. Everyone's talking about Allmark uh, or Grizzly. I still don't know why the puck didn't go around the other way. He went into the into traffic. The whole other side of the ice is wide ass open. I still don't know why he decided to go into into traffic. But um, you know the the turnovers, as you mentioned, bad timing at the worst possible time. You're right, Mark. The, their de- defensive positioning. I don't know if you know towards the end of the season they were resting guys every night and mixing up the lines, and now it looks like these guys have like never played together. Like they have no chemistry at all. So were they? Did they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by trying to rest guys? I don't know the answer to that, but that might be part of it. Um, you know, I look at the penalties in the game. This is the one that really bothers me is uh, you t- t- Nick Felino got a double minor for roughing at the end of the game. Outside of that, Orlov for roughing, McAvoy for tripping, Clifton for charging, Forbert for hooking, Lindholm for delay a game. So when all your penalty killer, your defense is there to kill penalties, but when they're all in the box, what the hell are we doing? And, you know, even the first one that led to the first goal, Orloff and Bennett, 19 seconds in, got those two penalties. McAvoy immediately gets a tripping penalty. Now you're down four. To, you're a four on three, and two of your best penalty killers are in the box. So, like, you got if you're going to turn the puck over, it's one thing. If you're going to spend the whole time sitting on your ass in the penalty box, and, again, this isn't, you know, Clifton, and, these are the guys that are supposed to be disciplined. They're supposed to be smart. They're supposed to stay out of there. And none of that happened in the last game. Yeah, and and McAvoy's I, I I remember watching it and I wrote it down in my notes because I was like, there is no way it was a sloppy, undisciplined penalty that I, the minute it happened, I was like, if this leads to a goal, I'm I'm putting this one on McAvoy and the fact that now they're four on three and he's sitting in the box with Orloff. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of it 
you know, you don't like to see that many. They've been so good about keeping their calm. You don't like to see that many roughing penalties. Um, just, you know, penalties happen and we're a good penalty killing team. But when it's so undisciplined, it 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 really takes the the wind out of your sails and makes you lose a little bit of trust in those players who you want out there during those those high pressure moments. Yeah. And and discipline hockey is the biggest thing about that whole um, thing, Grace. And, you know, we, we saw uh, uh, an, an example of that with Charlie Coyle just getting into somebody's face and then, the, you know, the the uh, rabbit punches with the jersey and so on, just taking it like uh, Henrik Sedin in 2011, you know, trying to get an extra call and so on. That's the type of things that we need to do. We need to frustrate the shit out of the Panthers that way and get them to make the mistakes, play better discipline hockey. And um, and I think that's a recipe for success. I mean, uh, we got these players that are gritty, grindy, and so on in, in the uh, before the trade deadline, and some of them like the defense. Uh, you know, the milk carton again. It's like where's Hathaway? I haven't. I mean, he's out he's there. Got, and he's he's got to be just, hurt. He, he's he got yeah. He's got to have an injury because he's got like the that. rib. I think it's yeah. the, the that's what the I'm cross thinking. The back, the back ribs and so on. You know, it's it's like he, you know, I don't think that he's fully engaged. I'm not seeing the the gritty style and and the board work from him lately since that since that cross check that he got from Kachuk. So, um, you know, got to be all bought in, but also don't don't not give this team, don't give Kachuk, Barkov, and 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 all these other players the opportunity, especially Bennett and um and the other guy, opportunities to score in the man advantage because you you weren't disciplined and you went you were in the box. Yeah, and I feel bad for a guy like Marchand who has gone out of his way to be on, on his best behavior, has not mixed it up, has not gotten any dumb penalties, and yet I don't remember which goal it was. There were so many of them. Um, you know, somebody did something to him in the neutral zone that was blatant, did not get called. Immediately there's a penalty on the Bruins, I believe, and then they scored on the power play. Or maybe it was just a, a goal right after that where you're like, well, and again, I'm not blaming the refs, right? I'm not a ref blamer, but like, Here's a guy trying really hard to stay within the rules so he doesn't get in trouble, and then he's not getting the calls. So, um, I don't know. It's weird. I I I like the way that Marchand's been playing, staying within those rules. But I almost wanted to go out there and like like Mark said, just start rabbit punching somebody. You know, uh, jump a guy and throw him to the ice uh, because they. I, I don't know. Maybe that's what gets him going a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you guys who you think has been the best player for the Bruins so far uh through six games of this series best forward hey grace ladies first always uh thank you um it's for me maybe I'm I'm biased because I spent uh past four years watching him in Detroit and Grand Rapids for me it's Bertuzzi I I almost would say Hall and those are two names like if you know if we had said this at, at just before the trade deadline if you're like the two best players on the on the Bruins even even right after we got Bertuzzi two best players in the playoffs first round are going to be Taylor Hall and and Bertuzzi like you'd look at me like I was you know batshit like there's 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 no there's no other explanation for it but I personally think that Bertuzzi I think that I mean his passing abilities are absurd I think that they we we couldn't have even appreciated that when he was in Michigan because they didn't have the offensive weapons that the Bruins have. Uh, but now that now that we now that he's with people who do have those abilities, I think that it's unmatched passing abilities. I think he has that grit and tenacity. It's it's the same reason why he won. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, the Butterfield, I think they call it in the in the AHL back when he was with Grand Rapids and they won the um, 
uh, was it Calder? Um, yep. So I, I, you know, he has, he's built for playoffs. I think he has that tenacity and that sort of unrelenting urgency that, that the rest of the Bruins need to get right now. Um, and then Taylor Hall, really close second, just, you know, being careful with the puck. Um, his speed is really tough to deal with for any team. And it always has been. And I'm surprised coming back from injury, he was able to, to maintain that. So, but Bertuzzi, I got to give it to for me. Um, like I said, maybe a little biased because I've been watching him and enjoying him, but I think he's just been, been contributing the most across the board. Yeah, what about Same you, thing from same thing for me, Steve, um, is is I'm going to dovetail Grace. Those two players are are the most noticeable, in my opinion. Number one is Todd Bertuzzi. I mean, Todd, Todd Bertuzzi, yeah. Tyler not that, Bertuzzi. Not that guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> not, not that guy. Uh, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, these, these are his first playoff games. And, you know, and he's just really motivated to do well with his new club. I think he's fitting in very well. Um, and... Taylor Hall is, is is another motivated player, but I think he's motivated for other reasons because he's a he's a, a longtime vet in this league, a former first round pick. You know, he's been around, you know, several teams. And I think that this is the team that he sees uh, good things, uh, you know, being done this year. And and the teams is still on a mission, even though we're still at the, tied at three in the series game seven tonight. But I, I just think that he's motivated for other reasons. He wants to win, but. You know, he's got to do it as a group and not as an individual, you know. And um, so those are the two plays. I mean, I like Jake DeBrusque as a third. I want to throw that guy in. I mean, he's been having just a, a stellar year. He's, you know, he's he's on pucks. He's on the board battles, um, really engaged. Jake DeBrusque is a good, you know, it's a good team when you get um, a player like him involved. But uh, I, I think that it comes down to, and I'm not calling out Patrice Bergeron or anybody that wears the A and so on, but some of the members that have been around for a long time, the leadership, I think, needs to be held accountable and it needs to get these guys motivated a little bit more. Um, and along with the um, accompanied personnel on the bench, you know, we've seen Jim Montgomery actually get pissed off. I saw him do a Cam Neely water bottle throw uh, behind the bench, and I was just like, wow, this is different. But the weird thing about that is Jim Montgomery in his press conference was calm, cool, and collective and just said, this is playoff hockey. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I mean, those three players, I've, I think I've really stood out and so on. Uh, Charlie McAvoy can be a fourth. Uh, I mean, he's just been a, an absolute truck. Um, and he just he reminds me of that old, and I'm showing my age, you know, the gray beard and so on. The old uh, Ray Book style, like hip checks, like you're crossing the line you're going to get hit. That's the type of things that we need throughout our back end. Yeah. yeah the and, only other, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I was going to just agree that I think the, the, that back end, the hitting, the, especially that's what I kind of wanted when Connor Clifton came back into the lineup. I wanted more of that. I think you're so right that McAvoy has been, been doing that. I think he kind of lost it in the last game, but I, I think that that's been a strength for them through the, the first few here. Yeah. The only other two names I were going to throw in the hat were is uh, Coyle who has been exceptional, oh, especially shoot. when, when Krejci hasn't been around, which I don't think I would bring, I don't know if I'd play Krejci today. Cause again, he didn't give you anything. Um, and Brandon Carlo, who is just, uh, this is like a whole different Brandon Carlo. All of a sudden, I don't know where this guy came <laughs> from, but where's he been been freaking awesome shooting, hitting, getting in the plays, punching guys in the face. He's just so involved and I love it. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is because none of us said Pasternak. And 
we're through six games now, and this guy has played more ice, more time on the ice than anyone. And this is where I'm starting to get frustrated with Montgomery when Taylor Hall has got more points than almost everybody else in the playoffs, and he's only playing 12, 12 and a half minutes when Pasternak's playing 20 and a half. He's playing eight less minutes than Pasternak, and he's arguably the best forward on the ice. So that, that to me is a problem. We look at uh, game six. Uh, Hall played... 1646 Pasta played 2347. That's absurd for a guy who's not playing that well. And I understand the financial investment. I understand the 60 goals. I, I get all that. But at what point do you even that out to give those minutes to the Bertuzzi's and the Halls and the Coils and all these guys we just went on and on about? And, and I, I'm starting to, I've had the frustration with Pasta based on, again, the turnovers and everything else that we talked about, but he's been really borderline invisible and yet he keeps getting the playing time and i can't for whatever reason figure it out and i know that again montgomery's sort of i don't want to say he's new at this but right first year here um you know you want to play that top line as much as you can i mean pavel zaka ever since Krejci came back zaka's been invisible too so you know again i don't mean to make this all doom and gloom but Krejci's been awful and Pasternak's playing way too much yeah I totally agree with that, Steve. Um, the first uh, five games, Pasternak uh, notched two goals. And obviously in game six, he um, he gets two. So hopefully this is a wake-up moment for him because uh, we definitely need that threat, that scoring threat. But also, I, I, I really want um, I want to see more creativity on the power play and the man advantage when they have the opportunity. Um, and maybe get Hall more involved. We've we've talked several uh, uh, podcasts ago about possibly switching the power play to gravitate the one T to Taylor Hall on the right side. So that might, you know, something like that is a decent idea in my opinion, and it might do something to um, to the psyche of the uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, you know, the game notes and so on. It's like, hey, the play's going to Pasternak on the left circle. But then you switch it around. Now you got Taylor Hall right there, who's been playing well, and no, and I know he he can he can one time it, you know, and and bar down most of the time. So I, I just get more create creative with with these opportunities, and I just it, it uh, kind of reminds me of a little bit of Cassidy and and how stubborn he was to to make these sudden changes, you know, and and I know they did make changes on the fly, but it just doesn't seem like they're making the correct ones, and that's just me from well, my thing that, the unprofessional. Thing that Opinion. Yeah, the thing that they both did the same was they were like, well, I'm making changes. I'm just going to throw my roster into a blender and see what it spits out. And and yeah. <clears throat> that's that's a change. But, like, are you adapting to the game? Are you changing up your game plan? Are you making adjustments? Like, it's not about the personnel a lot of times. It's about your mindset. Your, you know, why do they keep coming out flat in the first period? Like, why does that consistently happen? Changing the lines isn't going to do anything about that. Why um, is your power play so predictable? changing maybe it's not the personnel maybe it's your strategy so you know throwing everything in a blender and say calling it change is fine but i don't know if that's really getting it done at this point grace mark yeah no you you go if you have a uh a, a real quick real quick if, if you make changes allow time for chemistry to uh, chemistry builder you know if you're just throwing it out there one game and you're not going to go back to it even though you saw positive impacts come out of some of those changes and you're not going back to it what are we doing here and and i you know i see that but i also you know my biggest concern there is now is not like we don't have the time we don't have the time to build that chemistry this is it's do or die here i mean it's so we can you know say it until 
you know, we're blue in the face about that these adjustments and things should have happened earlier. They should have. Now it's over. I don't know. For me, I, I, I don't know. You're right. I, I worry about Pasternak. I, I think a little bit we saw sort of what we were missing in that last game. I mean, but, you know, neither team is going to go far in the next round if they let five to seven goals, you know, get scored on them. So that's that's another story. But so I think that, I don't know, I think there is a part of me that that wants to sort of go back to what we knew and felt familiar. And I worry that now that we have done so much changing of the lines, is that going to be harder to do? Um, because, you know, I, obviously Bergeron not being in was hard, adjusting to, you know, crazy being in out, um, mixing up the lines has been, I, I really, I, I want to trust Montgomery and what he's doing, but I think that there are valid points to be made that this is, it's affecting, you know, chemistry at a time when you really can't be affording that, that sort of, you know, jostling around. So mentioning, I mean, on that and taking all that into consideration, do you think this is a good time to, you know, I mean, Trent Frederick's been a healthy scratch and I don't really, I, other than the numbers game, I don't really see why he hasn't really cost them. Um, Lauko has been out, but I think that he brings something to the table that is fresh and exciting. And we look at a guy like Hathaway, that's clearly banged up. So, you know, do you, you do either of you consider, inserting one or both of those guys back in the lineup for today. I was going to say, I know Mark, Mark's got his, uh, his, his Frederick fight club shirt on. So I'm sure he's got some thoughts on that. Yeah. Bring back Freddie. Um, there've been two games that he's been scratched. Um, I love Felino. I'm not, I'm not crapping on the, on the veteran leader in the room, leader on the ice, but lately I'm not seeing it on the left side. Um, and maybe that's the time for Frederick to come in in game seven uh, to add that little bit more grit that this team absolutely needs. If, if, if Hathaway is not going to do it because of, a, of an injury, if Bertuzzi's not bringing it, there's another person that's going to be a pain in the ass to this uh, team in game seven. And I think Frederick's going to be the guy, um, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to come in and be this offensive juggernaut in game seven, but he's going to provide what the Florida Panthers are doing to us that we've done to so many teams past the trade deadline when we got this depth, this grindy depth that everybody has installed in my brain that this is the type of stuff that wins playoff series. Now I want to see it. I want to see what everybody's been telling me. And, uh, and like you said earlier, the proof's in the pudding, and it's got to be done tonight if we're going to move on. Our lives are on the line right now. How about you, Grace? You making any uh, roster changes, any inserts? Yeah, I mean, I I think I agree. I love Felino. I think he adds something, and and that's where I go back and forth. You know, do you keep him in and maybe put? I mean, but then you also have to to consider, you know, where does Frederick play best? You know, left or right. Uh, it sort of you have to take a lot of things into consideration because I, I'd rather have him on the left, I think, for for Felino. Um, but my other thing, I was a really big fan of when Felino was not not of when Felino was out, but during that time when Felino was out, I was a fan of the the Noshek, Hathaway, and Frederick, you know, three part little. What they had going was, I think, the best word for it is electric. I think they had something that was sort of energetic. It was. It brought something out of Noshek, I think, as well, which was important. Um, that I haven't, you know, seen from the the line that's Felino Noshek Hathaway. So I, I, 
I, I kind of want to see that. I, I love Trent Frederick. He's one of my favorite players. I want to see him back I- in the game in general, however we can. Truthfully, I would swap him in for either Hathaway or Foligno, I think. Um, I like Glauco. I, I wouldn't put him in. I don't blame him for the the, the penalty that ended up being disastrous um, in his last game, but I, I definitely still think that Frederick has a little bit more experience with a similar energy, so I would make that change. I've missed Frederick. I think the the team has missed having him on the ice so that's a change i would make for sure but i you know anybody's guess if i, I thought he would i thought he would come back in you know well i guess you know you put Krejci in there i know so yeah steve i don't know about you if you take Krejci out move around there yeah Krejci's the guy i'm pulling i'm moving zaka back to center i'm gonna bump up coil um and to your point grace you know mark and i talked about this in 2011 um, they were starting games. They were starting periods with Pie, Thornton, Campbell, because teams like Vancouver couldn't handle it. And the Bruins this year at the end of the season, and even I think a little bit in the beginning of the playoffs, were starting the game and starting periods with that fourth line because they would go out there, send a message, set the tone, and could wear down the opposition's top forwards. So, you know, I, I'm not as I'm not as against Felino, maybe just because I know what he brings when you're talking about on the bench and guys that you want to have on the bench in support. Um, the Elmark game where he got tossed, it all blends together. I don't remember what game it was, but when he, he got tossed at the end for fighting to Chuck and Felino stepped in for the goalie hug, like that's the kind of stuff that I think is so valuable, even when he's not, when he's only playing 10 minutes a night. So, you know, take your pick. Hathaway, I think, just needs to sit because when he's hurt, he's not effective. Krejci to me has just been, again, as Mark says, milk carton. But um, Trent Frederick is, to me, definitely the guy who needs to get back in. And when we talk about um, things that happen over the course of the game, how many times, especially in the playoffs, is there a huge, loud hit, the crowd goes wild, and immediately the other team is taken out of their game. Now they're trying to get a response hit. And now they're, okay, now we have to play more physical. And then while they're trying to play more physical, they're slowly getting taken out of their own game that they want to play. Like, that's how you knock this Panthers team sort of out of the mix to me. Um, they don't have Ryan Lomberg anymore, who was sort of their, even though he's not big, he's he's one of their more physical guys. So, like I said, sometimes not even the big hits, it's the loud ones. It's those crunchy ones on the boards, especially at the Garden, where people will lose their mind. And now all of a sudden, momentum's changed. They're out of their game. So, if Hathaway can't do that because he's hurt, I'm not blaming him. Um, that's where you're going to get those from Felino, Frederick, uh, McAvoy, I'm, you know, Carlo, all of a sudden, holy smokes, uh, freaking uh, Marty McSorley, Carlo back there, all of a sudden, it's crazy. <laughs> Greg Zanin out that's there. Funny. Oh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, my only, my, I, I think that there is that that's, that's so been lacking i mean i think if you look at uh what was it I mean, yeah in in game six uh carlo mcavoy forbert zero hits combined for zero hits can't happen like that's 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 the exact sort of thing that is is it just sort of i think uh, you know exemplifies that like lack of energy this sort of um grit that is so such a hallmark of of any Bruins team, but I've found it to be one of this team too. And, and it's so frustrating, I think. I mean, yeah, you saw those open ice hits by McAvoy in the first couple of games that were just, you know, they get the crowd on their feet. They 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 are so um, 
just they they change the trajectory of the game. Um, and I think that that's that was missing, and that that that's that comes down defensively. Um, but I agree. I need I need McAvoy to get back to that. I need the energy to start at that level because those hits, some of those hits were early in the game. I mean, come on, that McAvoy one. I forget if it was game two. Was like almost right off the right off puck. Like puck drop happened, and then he was out on the side just nailing. I forget who it was right into the board. So I mean, like if we can start with that energy, I think it carries. But if you don't start with it, I think you're you. It's so much harder to get you know a couple shifts into the game. So maybe Frederick will 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 provide that. Um, I think that that's I, I'm willing to try that at this point. I mean, you know, changes are are scary, but I also think they're they're necessary right now. Mark, I, I like the addition of uh, Frederick because of his versatility. He can play all three positions. I'm really not sure about um, how Hathaway plays because I've only seen him on the left on the right side. So that might be a, uh, an ace in the hole right there because, um, you know, Jim Montgomery has been known, especially in these playoffs, to really mix these lines up. And I think that um, Frederick's versatility will play a key role in, into, into a scheme that hopefully brings uh, a, a uh, Game 7 win tonight. Um, again, not to bang too much on the penalties, but uh, did anybody actually think that was a hand pass from Jake DeBrusque? Are we, re- we going to have to rewrite the rule after this, after this series? Because that was... That was really bad. Yeah, it was it was absolutely terrible. Um, and I I I keep thinking back to it, and I watched the video of it. Um, you know when the when you're in that front presence and so on, and you get a puck and you kick it in, and you're showing a kicking motion, and the goal is called back because you you clearly kicked it in. This is not a motion that hey, here you go. I'm pa- I know I'm passing it to you. It was just a it was just a freak bounce that you know Jake DeBrusque was just trying to get his hand back on the stick to make contact and you know use the uh, use the stick appropriately, and his hand got in the way. But it wasn't forward to the player. It was just it bounced and then the player came and took it. I just I don't see how that is a hand pass or shows any motion of a hand pass. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. When I first watched it, I was like during the actual game, I I, I was like, okay, I I guess. But then watching it back, and you know, it was like they had the opportunity to watch it back plenty of times. Um, I it's, to me, like you see DeBrusque, he's look, he's not even like looking down at the puck, and and it's so clear that he's just trying to get his hand back on the stick. I think it's so inadvertent. I also think that. Uh, like it, the puck didn't really, you know, to me, like it didn't change the fact that Bergeron was still going to grab it out of the corner. And, you know, like uh, to me, it wasn't. And that's the thing I think about a hand pass is that it has to be something that, you know, materially affects it um, the same way that, you know, if it hits off a skate and goes in the goal, that's not, you know, a kicking motion. So I, I, I don't know. It was frustrating. I think that that definitely um, things in the game, but I, I you know, I also want to believe that we have a team that can, you know, get over that hump once sort of something like that happens, something, you know, disheartening and, and honestly frustrating. Um, you know, I want to be a team that can respond to that, I think is, is, is important too. And, and they didn't do that uh, in the last game. And so maybe, you know, if that, if something like that happens again, I, I'd like to see, you know, that this is a team that can respond in the same way, you know, that we often responded after a loss. It's why the Bruins so consistently didn't, you know, drop too straight. Um, and, and, so I'm hoping that if that happens again, then we see that. But man, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, watching it back, it, it's tough to tough to understand. 
I don't know. I'm not, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not paying me to make calls. So. Yeah. Well, I just, the, one of the things I love about hockey is the gray area. Um, it's not as frame by frame, break it down. Like the NFL is on every single freaking play. And you know, how many times in, you know, at the NHL and the AHL level and, you know, in the minors, I'm right there at center ice. How many times um, do guys work so hard to get to the red line to dump it in? So it's not icing and they get the benefit of the doubt. Were they right at the red line? Maybe so, maybe not, but let's keep the game going because we don't need to blow a bunch of whistles or guys that, you know, the puck's going up high and they catch it up here. And then they kind of do one of these and they, they, and it's like, is that a, you know, is that closing your hand on the puck? Well, maybe kind of sort of, and they let those go. So if you're going to let all that stuff go, why would you make a call like this at this time? It just blows my mind. Here's another one, Steve, that I know, I know for a fact that you've seen probably 12 times a game is line changes. How far away most players are just coasting into the boards, into their bench and you know that they're way more than five feet out before that guy comes off the bench. There's so many times um, uh, too many men penalties could be freaking called, and they don't do that. So, I mean, if you're going to be consistent with your officiating, and I know we're hampering a little bit on the officiating here, and we try not to, but still, if you're going to be consistent, especially in the playoffs where you traditionally put your damn whistles away, I mean, come on, let's get a little get a little consistent here. Yeah, agreed. So, um, you know, Again, let's. Uh, I, I, the officials haven't really been an issue to me at all up to this point, um, but there is some stuff that leaves you a little, uh, a little flummoxed, you're sort of scratching your head at so far. And um, like I said, Game Seven uh, to me, the best Game Seven of all time. Well, there were no penalties, so uh, let's hope that we have something, uh, something similar. I really don't want us to be looking at this game going, you know, oh, man, the officials really blew that one or caught that one or we got the benefit of the doubt. Either way, um, uh, good or bad, I really don't want to see uh, the officials become a uh, an issue here. Um, we do have a lot of positive things that we can talk about so far. Uh, believe it or not, we do have positive things that we can talk about. Um, and we are going to check in as well with the minors because there's a lot of stuff happening, uh, especially with Providence. I, I just, dear Lord, if this becomes the year of Connecticut with – UConn, Quinnipiac, and the Wolfpack. I'm moving because I am right next to Suffield, Connecticut, and Connecticut people are already insufferable enough. I don't need uh, <laughs> another freaking championship unless my Connecticut son want to go win a WNBA title. That I'll take because that would there actually be a good payday for me. But other than that, um, so we'll get into that too. But before we do, I want to take a quick word from our friends at FanDuel. Uh, again, we got baseball season, grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're back. No better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official partner of Major League Baseball. New customers in Massachusetts can get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from money lines to point spreads and player props, much more. I've already put one in for the Celtics today at 3.30, taking on uh, – oh, I don't even know who the hell they're playing. doesn't matter. Um, oh, the, the 76ers. I got uh, I did a parlay over 213 points. I usually take the over on NBA games. Uh, I need Derek White to get me 15 points, and I want Al Horford to hit two three-pointers and Derek White to get four assists. So uh, not a big ask for a four-way parlay, but um, we're going to do that. I also, for tonight – uh, over six and a half goals, 
uh, the third period being the highest scoring period. And I don't know something about it. I think Brad Marchand's going to get the first goal. So uh, just a couple that I personally put in. I don't know, Mark, you want to talk about yours now or you want me to finish this read? Yeah, I'm going in on the uh, Boston Bruins today. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely going to get in on the Game 7 action. And also, even if the Bruins don't make it, which I don't, I hope it doesn't happen, but uh, I will be involved in the Stanley Cup playoffs regardless uh, throughout the rest of the um, the uh, playoff series. And also, you guys know I'm a golf guy, so the 2023 Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow Golf Course is next weekend, so I'm definitely going to be in on the Lynx stuff. About you, Grace. Thank you. I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, gotten in on the golf stuff, so I'm, I'm, I'm. You, Mark's gonna have to get me, get me going on some of those. Yeah, I like, <laughs> I, I like the Celtics. Although I'm usually, I'm, I'm sort of the person of the philosophy: don't bet on your team. I often will bet on the opposite teams, so that then either my team wins or I make money, and that's Mark. those are the things that I, that I, that I like to do. But I, I like this, the uh, Celtics. I personally, I, I'm a Tigers fan. Um, not as much a Red Sox fan. I mean, I'm less of a Tigers fan than I am a Red Sox fan, but I like the Tigers this week against the Mets. Um, if anybody's into baseball, um, I also think that, yeah, going forward into the, the Stanley Cup, I, I like the night, the nights over the Oilers. Um, maybe that's just my uh, internal biases. So looking ahead to those sorts of things, I'm, I'm definitely looking at the, the nights. I personally would take the Kraken in their game tonight. I, I love the Kraken this year. I think they have a really good shot um, to take out the Avs tonight. Um, so those are my recommendations. I am so excited. I'm, I'm hoping that I can, uh, I'm, I'm going to, last time I bet on the Bruins, it didn't go so well. So I'm going to, I'm going to do the other games tonight and, uh, and hope that, Maybe me staying out of this one will uh, will help us out. Well, there you go. And, yeah, definitely don't take my advice because I stink at this, but it's fun anyway. <laughs> um, bet now on the app. That's safe, secure, super easy to use. Again, don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make every moment more. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball, and the Red Sox. 21 and over and present in Massachusetts. First online, real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issues as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. That's sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org, or you can call 800-327-5050. That's 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start with gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. I feel like I screwed up every single number that I read. Again, that last phone number is 1-800-GAM-1234. And uh, we also, again, want to give a shout out to our friends at Action Electronics for over 30 years. Action Electronics, a Walpole, Massachusetts company, has been the leading source of value-added, time-saving supply chain solutions. You can visit them online at actionelectronics.com. You can give them a call anytime, 508-668-3131, and follow their social media accounts. They're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you don't know much about them, check them out uh, on all your social media platforms. You can follow their YouTube channel as well at Action TV. 9086 that's action tv 9086 oh always love uh the action people they're great folks and again i want to uh thank them for increasing their uh, patreon donations uh as a as an advertising partner so they doubled up on us because they like what we're doing they like the message that we're you know uh passing forward and uh shout out to nick and barry as uh, as always for just being great, uh, great people to work with. 
Awesome. Well, we're happy to have him. And again, anybody else, uh, we don't want to fill an hour and a half of ads, but if anybody else wants to get down, um, you know, we got a, a pretty good listening audience here. They're pretty loyal. And I think they'd listen to us again. I listen to everything except my fan duel bets, but um, you know, uh, definitely give us a call, reach out to Mark, reach out to myself. We're happy to, to get you on board and get you involved in the black and gold. Maybe it's not even this podcast. You want to sponsor some of the articles and other things that we have going on. We can do that as well. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out to us. Um, going back to the action here, uh, I know we talked a lot about, about a lot of different players. One of the players we haven't really brought up has been uh, Patrice Bergeron, a guy who is now officially back. Um, I am still noticing it, Mark, that they're tossing him out of the face-off circle a lot more than they have. I mean, I go back to, to I think it was the Carolina series with Rod Brindamore. Brindamore was just all over the refs. And since then, Bergeron has not gotten a fair shake. And here we are bitching about the refs again. Bergeron has not gotten a fair <laughs> shake in the faceoff dot. And it's kind of driving me nuts. So, Grace, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, I think that's a this is a weird thing to be, like, on about. But I've been saying it for a, a while. Every single person that I've been sitting watching the game with, I've, I've said that it's – I've never seen – Bergeron get kicked out of the circle like this I, I have not it's it's insane to me I don't I don't uh and like it's a weird thing to be like this is like I think seriously like impacting you know I think it, it's hard when you have like your best face-off man getting thrown out every other drop like it, it's 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 uh it's insane yeah I, I really don't uh I don't have the words for it I don't uh it's been insane to me I've noticed it every single game um it, and it's really, it's taken me out. It's been like, you know, you can't have your most reliable guy in there, you know, winning the draw. What are we doing? You know, I, I noticed that, um, you know, when the, when the faceoff rules changed, um, obviously Patrice Bergeron had to adjust, but that's when I really noticed Patrice was getting thrown out a lot, like a lot. And I almost made a drinking game about it. And I, I, you know, got crippled that night. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, it's just weird that we don't really see it often in the regular season. But all of a sudden, it's just like now we're in the playoffs. When you when when possession at the puck drop is so important uh, at this time of year, and it's just not it's not working out to our benefit. Uh, but also not having Bergeron around uh, for a majority of the season, um, you know, is is never good. Uh, but he's back. But still, it's just um, I'm just not seeing a full effort. Uh, from this Boston Bruins team, even when he's in the lineup and so on, I would think that that would be like a, you know, a production increase to have your leader, your captain involved in, in what's going on. But it just seems like uh, no matter if he's in the lineup or not, this team still remains just a little flat. Yeah. And the, and the best sort of, uh, you know, I can't find a gauge as to how many times he's actually gotten thrown out, but uh, in the game, in game five, Marshan took three face-offs. Pasternak took three face-offs. And those guys aren't lining up on the dot. So that's got to be at least six times where, where Bergeron got tossed out. So, you know, we're not talking about – I mean, we're talking about the class of the league, right? And if this this guy's as much of a rule follower as it gets, at least from, from my perspective. So, like you said, Mark, you know, the rules change in, in the playoffs. Well, yeah, usually the refs let him play. Um. Now we're getting now the opposite's happening. And again, this is now, I think, two or three seasons in a row where they get to the playoffs and this has happened. And again, I, I don't know why, but I always just go back to a series with Carolina and Rod Brindamore, like just losing his mind on the bench and then immediately thrown out, thrown out, thrown out, thrown out. So um, a little bit annoying, but on the whole, I think I've kind of seen 
I kind of liked what I've seen from Bergeron. I think it's nice to have him back and brings a little more stability to the top, um, to the top, top line in particular. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and coming back and, uh, and scoring a goal is, is, is huge, you know? Um, I mean, just, just, we need, we need that leadership, but we, I just think we need it more. And, and obviously game seven, the leadership's going to have to be accountable because like I keep saying, we're, we know we're, we're basically at our, our, our wits end in this series. We got to get it done to move forward. And, and we need uh, players like him. And if Felino's in, uh, in the lineup uh, tonight, we need him and, and McAvoy. Everybody's going to be bought in on this. Um, and if Patrice speaks, you got to listen. Yeah, I, I think that that's – I agree. I, I kind of wanted – I think we saw a little bit of it in Game 5 when, when Patrice came back and there was a little – I felt like a little more – umph to the game uh you know with him being there but then it sort of fell flat and and I think it was almost non-existence in in game six his you know I always think that his presence is so important to this team and so like I want them to go out there and show that show that show that you're grateful that he's back grateful that he's here and that you know he is that leader that that we need I I have lots of faith in him so I, I know that I think a lot of it is the team around him, you know, continuing to make sure they come out with that energy that, that he deserves. And, and so I, I do, I, I, yeah, I mean, the face off stuff is crazy, but I, I also think that just, you know, he's got that, that um, the, I say calmness, but it's not even necessarily that it's just a, a, an understanding of the game. That's so unmatched that I, I think it just contributes so much and having him back in the lineup. It's been insane to me that we've dropped both of them. Um, that's, that's bizarre to me. It, it doesn't seem real. So I'm hoping that, that now that he's been in for a couple games, there can be that sort of consistency that, that we've been lacking. And, and I do think he provides it. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and looking forward to that on display today. Do you think this is it? Anybody think this is it for Patrice? Is he, uh, does it matter what happens if they get knocked out in the first is it more or less likely that he'll come back next year or does it not even really matter? Go ahead, Grace. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally think that honestly, I think that it, it, if they they get knocked out in the first, I think it does matter, but I think in the bad way, I think it's less likely that he would um, have an interest in coming back because I think that, you know, there are going to be a lot of personnel changes. We know that over the summer, you know, the, the people that we brought on at the trade deadline, there's a lot to work through. Um, it, it, you know, this team was obviously clearly showed us that you never can be too sure about how a season is going to go. I mean, you know, it was looking back. You don't know how many people were telling me that the Bruins were going to be lucky to get a wild card spot. Um, so I, I think that that, you know, uncertainty, it was okay this year when he came back, you know, this question of, you know, how, how are they going to look without Marshan, without McAvoy, Grizzlick in the lineup at the beginning of the season? Um, but I think it's a lot to ask Bergeron to gamble on that for another year. Um, you know, that uncertainty, if we can't even get past the first round um, and not really have anybody to blame but ourselves, you know? And and so, I don't know. I, I do think it makes a difference. I obviously want to see him. I mean, I want to see him back forever. I wish that, you know, he could play for the rest of his life. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding of the, the, you know, it, it wasn't an easy decision, I'm sure to come back this year. And, and, you know, it, it's a lot to ask that after a, a first round exit after, you know, that's what ends up happening. It, it's a hard ask, um, but I'm hopeful. Um, I think that winning tonight will be a good 
I, I think I'll feel better about maybe maybe he will come back. Maybe he'll want to give it another shot with, you know, Marshan still here. Who knows about Krejci, but so I, I don't know. I, I sort of go back and forth. I'm hopeful, but not optimistic. How about yeah, you, Mark? I'm, I'm, I think if if the if they don't win a cup this year, I think that he comes back. Um, I think that he's got a better chance of coming back than Krejci. Uh, I, I'm not seeing it with Krejci. I, it just like we talked about several uh, for several episodes that you know Krejci at the end of the season seems like he wants to check out for a little while and and then just come into you know the playoffs uh, fresh and ready, but w- which he's not. I just think that this might be uh, taking a little bit of a toll on his body. So I don't see Krejci coming back, and um, I, I do see Bergeron coming back if it doesn't happen. But obviously, you know, if he gets his second uh, career Stanley Cup ring. Uh, I think it's a swan song. And then, you know, he's, he's uh Mark Recchi checking out of his career, you know, and um, does the, uh, the father thing. And and you know, the, the great ambassador, because this guy's going to win a Selkie trophy this year, you know, they might as well just uh, rename the freaking trophy after him uh, as soon as it's done. But yeah, that's me. Yeah. I, I think obviously the skills are there. Um, you know, and on Krejci, it's a, isn't it amazing that the the emo the the emotionless one shows no emotion. I mean, I get nothing from we haven't gotten anything from that guy for freaking years, and and I I'm disappointed in his play, and I can't even read his body language because he he doesn't give you any. Um, I do think a lot of I think Bergeron's decision will be way more based on off the ice stuff than on it. Um, I I know he's got some some family health issues that. I think if they all get taken care of and everybody's, you know, as best as good as they can be, and he doesn't need to be, you know, uber present to be there to assist certain family members with certain things they have going on. I think he'll be back. Um, You know, I saw Patrick Williams write a story. I didn't read it, but it was something about how Ryan Mugenel was talking about how Bergeron was calling AHL players you know, when they were struggling or they were doing really well and he was always offering up that encouragement. I think he's he's a little like Tom Brady to where he he can't get away from the game in a good way. And if you look at this roster and let's say Krejci doesn't come back, not that he owes us anything, but he might look at it and say, well, look, we got, we have a lot of young centers. They're just not ready yet. So I can either leave and then have two massive holes at the top of the roster or I can come back for halfway decent money play the sport that I love and give the Brett Harrison's and, you know, whoever else is still down there at that position, Johnny Beecher's and whoever else wants to play, you know, the next great wave of centers, let me buy them another year to really get their feet under them. And meanwhile, I'll just go out there and skate around with my BFF to Brad Marchand for another year. So um, I think that the way that the Bruins, and we talked about this with Pasternak, you know, how much of Pasternak's decision to resign was based on what's the future of this team. Cause I don't want to sign here for eight years and have it suck. So, I almost feel like Bergeron, as much as he wants to win, which he does, also doesn't want to leave the team in the lurch when he leaves. And so I, I do sort of take that into consideration as well as to um, where he stands with the team and, and, and leaving him high and dry. Yeah. I, and I just want to add on. Um, um, oh, I forgot. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, I, I want to add on Patrice Bergeron and what he has been doing uh, lately in these playoffs. And and while he wasn't playing because of an injury, he was texting Chris Kelly on the bench, seeing, uh, telling him what he's seeing um, by watching this, uh, on TV and so on. So 
you know, this guy is fully engaged in, in, in trying to help this organization accomplish a, a goal of winning a Stanley Cup, but also just being that great ambassador to the sport, giving back to the younger people, whether you're at the NHL level or at the AHL level or so on. I mean, it's just it just speaks so many great volumes on how much a great human being this guy is. Yeah, and I think that and I think that's a whole other thing. I think that, you know, across the board, you go to any fans of any team and it's it's hard like it's hard to find a bad thing to say about about Bergeron, his leadership, what he adds, not just to the Bruins, but to the league. I mean, you know, maybe the best two way center that we've ever seen. I, I, I think that it's just he in, in addition to the leadership that he brings, I think is so we've been so fortunate and I hope we are continue to be. Uh, fortunate to to have him around this organization has just been been amazing so it's 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 always great to to see him back on the ice so I'm I'm I am hopeful you you both have made good points I think that about why I think he will come back so I, I I'm 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 gonna go with you guys now I'm I'm ready he's coming back for sure no worries no, no matter what unless 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 we get the cup and then and then I think you're right you couldn't have written a, a better ending for him well while we are all smiles talking about somebody we love um Let's go the other way. Does anybody else hate Radko Gudis as much as I do? I oh freaking hate that guy. I freaking hate him. And I saw some clip of a ref that came up to him in the middle of the game when it was like, do not uh, do not sit on players. They are yeah. not chairs. Stop <laughs> sitting on players. Like, just what a – I don't know if I've hated a defenseman as much as this guy in a long time. I feel like Grace feels the same way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw that video. I, I was like – it was to me because you saw it so much in that. I think it was the first game when he was just, I mean, on top of Brad Marchand, like it was, it was insane. And at one point, yeah, he sits on. He sat on Felino. He he tried to sit on Coil. It's like, what does he do? Like, I, I personally like. I look. I get being physical, and that's great, and I think it's super important. But man, it's it it pisses me off. There's no other way to put it. It pisses me off in a way that I've not been pissed in a way that even like Kachuk doesn't piss me off. Like, I mean, Kachuk does piss me off, but something about something about Gudis just gets, grinds my gears. gets me going. (laughs) They are not chairs. Uh, (laughs) They're not chairs. Uh, I'm a big beard guy, like, like a gentleman with a good beard, you know, um, you know, Joe Thornton, epic beard. Um, and, and the defenseman for Carolina, uh, don't remember his name. He hunts all the time. Uh, yeah, don't remember him, but Radko Gudis, I swear to God, has a foam, black foam beard. That thing's fake. It's totally oh, Brett fake. Burns. <laughs> Brett Burns. Brett Burns. It right. just, every time the, every time the camera goes to Radko Gudis, I just, I'm admired. I'm in awe. I look like Winston when I'm like trying to get a treat. I'm like. What is that? It's like it's fake. It's like he put like Rubitex uh, two pot epoxy on his face and just went stuck it right there. No, it's, it totally. It when you totally get punched, when you get punched in the face that much, maybe you just wanted the extra padding. Exactly. It's true. You know? Honestly, I don't blame. That's him. true. <laughs> well, and it's nice to be nice to hear you say that, Mark, because I literally cannot grow facial hair. I was the most. <laughs> I. I, I I wish I could cover up 70% of my face. I'd be way much more attractive. That's why I like the masks there for a little while. I've never been so handsome. Um, so I cannot grow facial hair. So, uh, um, yeah, but that thing he's got, it's pretty righteous. Uh, but otherwise, I just, I, I think he, and, and the worse he gets and the worse he plays, the more of an asshat he acts like. Yeah. You know, so it's exactly. like, um, 
And they've had to play play him way too much. But anyway, I just wanted to mention how much I think Rad, I hate Radko Gudis. So I want to <laughs> yeah. from the face. Um, let's move on now to the Miners. Um, I know the the uh, Maine Mariners. Uh, they lost their series to Reading four to two, but they had some pretty good stuff going on there, um, which we can get to. But I want to talk here about Providence, who had a super long layoff and now find themselves down to nothing uh, to the Hartford Wolfpack, who, again, suck. I don't know what this is about this Wolfpack team, especially when they played Springfield. I'm watching going, why is why this team sucks? They're not that good. Like, I don't understand how they keep winning games. Their goalie sucks. Their defense isn't very good. I mean, they're big. They have massive humans. But I don't understand why they're they're playing as well as they are. So I know you guys are following Providence a lot closer than I am. Mark, maybe you can fill us in just a little bit on what's going on in this series and 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 why Providence finds themselves in the two hole in a in a uh, best of five series. Like they they got to turn around quick here. Yeah, going down zero and two is not ideal for a team that like last year when they played the uh, uh, Charlotte Checkers in the first round they got swept. But that was because of uh, a lot of uh, injuries, particularly on the back end last year. This year, we're healthy and so on. But um, we talk about this several times at the NHL level, Steve, is is the amount of rest and, and the game that uh, transcribes when you get back on the ice. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not always the greatest thing at the NHL level, but we're seeing it down in the AHL level. And it's very frustrating that the Providence Bruins had to practice and even a scrimmage um, one game with 12 days of rest. I, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. There's absolutely no reason for a, uh, a first round best of three, a second, a third round um, best of five. And then you, it, your, your first seven round series, first seven game series is the call the cup finals. I don't think that's uh, right at all. Um, I would have rather see the Providence Bruins or any AHL team for that matter, get done with your regular season and have a couple days off and then get right into seven game series uh, throughout the playoffs. It's just, it's just mind boggling. And and, I'm sorry. And here's the thing. And I know you'll understand this, Steve playoff money, playoff dollars is very important to a league that thrives on asses in the seats. Why are we limiting the games when you can potentially get revenue there. It's right. just mind blowing. Right. And that's, that's what I don't understand. They, they, they were so obsessed four or five years ago with expansion. Well, we got expansion. We got to expand. We got to go to the West. We got to go to the South. We got to go to the North. We got to expand the league. Then they expanded the league and they said, Oh, well we can't, we want to have a short series because we don't want to pay for the airfare for a team to go from Charlotte to Boston or, or to Providence or somebody to go from Abbotsford to freaking, uh, you know, so you wanted to expand. Now that we're expanding, you don't want to pay to have this, you know, pay all the the amenities, right? All the extra stuff. So um, it's just it's annoying that that they would do it that way. Like, why would you say we want to we want all the, we want to be all over the country, but then you don't want to pay for them to fly all over the place to get to the games? It just doesn't make sense to me. But um, but anyway, uh, Grace, what are your thoughts so far on Providence here and what's going on down there? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I especially, you know, you look at the ECHL and they've got, you know, best of seven. And and I, I agree with Mark completely that having that break is so like, don't get me wrong. I think a couple days off is is great. But having that buy and, and coming in cold, I think that's been a huge factor, um, which you, you don't want to, you know, the whole point of the, you don't want to see that. That's not what that's not the point, you know, of, of 
Otherwise, you don't want to perform well in the regular season. You don't want that pie. If you're just going to have to come in cold, then it's going to impact you like this. And and I do think there are, I think there are a lot of good things. I mean, yeah, I think our, our I agree. I think our goaltending is better. I think, you know, they are, they're bigger than we are, but we, it's not that we don't have, you know, big guys out there. Um, I know I, I went to school with Johnny Beecher. That kid's huge. I would walk near him. He's tall. He's tall as hell. Yeah. He, you know, he's big. Um, so, I mean, I think that there is, there's a lot of height and, and weight that we still can, can put forward, but I agree. It hasn't, it just hasn't looked like the same team. I know it sounds like I'm still talking about the Bruins. It hasn't looked like the, the Boston Bruins. It still doesn't look like the same team um, as they did. And I think it is in large part because of that break. So I'm hoping that having these two games under their belt will, you know, you know, cause they haven't, you know, it's not, they haven't looked disastrous. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of good things to take away. So I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe these even dropping two is, is going to be a, you know, the kick that they need to hopefully turn it around. At least that's, that's, that's my hope. I mean, I, I think that we got at this point, same thing as the Boston Bruins, you know, backs against the wall. Now, this is where the, you know, the really great teams are, are able to show that they're the great teams. So. Any yeah. issues? Uh, uh, oh, go ahead, Mark. I just want to. Uh, I just want to finish up a little bit here. The Luke Dobrowski is the only uh, Providence Bruins uh, player to have a goal in this series. Providence was shut out in Game One, and uh, obviously lost two to one in uh, Game Two last night. Um, and the Wolfpack goaltender Dylan Garand has just been outstanding uh, in his for, in his two games. Uh, pretty much a 500 goaltender throughout the year with uh, Hartford, but this, uh, this playoff series has been unreal for him. Um, and uh, the, the Wolfpack are really, really stifling the Providence Bruins efforts to uh, generate any offense. They're really boxing this uh, team out. They're, they're better prepared for what's coming at them opposed to the Providence uh, back end, which uh, are just letting holes in. And if it wasn't for Brandon Bussey, the last two games, uh, Providence goaltending, um, I don't think would be we'd be talking about these these close knit games. Uh, you know, two to one, one and nothing. I think we'd be talking more like uh, five nothing, five two games uh, in this series. But you know, if you on Wednesday night the Providence Bruins get back, it, but it's all it's a road game. It's at the L- XL Center in downtown Hartford, Connecticut, and um, you know you just got to You got to your series is on the line right there. So. Everybody's got to get on board. There's no more excuses uh, on Wednesday night with, with um, games off, days off, and and whatever. It, it, now you got to uh, put up a shut up, you know. And um, I think that this team can do it, but uh, just we just got to get all bought in and so on. I just don't know what the problem is with this team. Uh, you know, you're number one in the uh, Atlantic and throughout a majority of the year and one of the better teams in the American hockey league. And, and you just flip a switch when it comes to the playoffs. And, and it's so weird how it happens from the NHL level down to the AHL level. It's so, it's so weird how that happens. It's it, I, I would expect different, but uh, like the organization is just one whole unit and it, and they all act the same. It seems. Yeah. And, you know, and give Hartford a little credit here. They did make some good off season or good um, deadline moves. You know, they brought in Anton bleed. They brought in Will Lockwood, who's been really good. Um, you know, Tanner Fritz has been around. Will Cooley's a young prospect. Zach Jones is a good prospect. Adam Clendenning really, really runs the show back there on defense and old savvy vet. So, you know, 
Uh, and Lori Payuniemi is my favorite name to say when IPA announced. Uh, I, he, I don't know if he's good or bad. I just like saying Lori Payuniemi. So, um, you know, it, it's not like they're awful. It's just when I look at the Providence roster, I like, I just, if you said roster to roster, who's going to win? It's, there's no question. And, um, you know, f- off the top, with, before I even looked at it, I said, well, maybe this is part of the problem when you're have all these young guys, like I keep making up, bring up Brett Harrison, but you have all these, Poitras and Harrison's you have all these guys that you're bringing up and maybe they're not up to speed but from what I gather they're not even playing like it doesn't look like it doesn't look like uh Harrison played um the really super tall kid from Ohio State I can't think of his name he didn't play Mason um, Lowry Lowry didn't play so again it's it's not it's just kind of looks to me like the roster they've had all year Letary and Ashawn and McLaughlin, Callahan, they put Mike Riley back in, Connor Carrick, Merkulov, Beecher, Lizell. So you're right. It's not like what happens a lot of times at the A is the playoffs come and your roster looks different. This is the same group that we've seen all year. So, yeah, strange. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, I was just going to say real quick, give, give, give Chris Knobloch some credit to head coach in Hartford. He's he's really good at at looking at teams and, again, strategizing, right? Like I talked about earlier with Montgomery. I mean, he put down a, he put together a strategy to just suffocate um, the Thunderbirds in the zone, and it looks like he's doing pretty much the same thing here at Providence. I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to Wednesday night, and you know, hopefully they get a win and keep this going because uh, I like the way that the team is constructed. Uh, there's some pieces that came in from you know some late season pieces like Mason Lowry and Brett Harrison and uh, Trevor Kuntar and all these players. Um, whether they get in the game or not. Um, it remains to be seen, but hopefully Ryan Mujanel, Trent uh, Whitfield, and uh, Matt Thomas can can continue just to work these guys hard, get them mentally prepared, physically prepared, because um, you have to you have to break through this wall that this Wolfpack team is is putting up right now. They're really shutting down the the neutral zone, not giving any of Providence players time to to build up speed and and, and generate offense. Um, and once you do that, maybe not go to the boards all the time. Maybe just go right up the middle, you know, shove it right in their face and see what happens and crash the net. Um, you know, good things can happen when stuff like that, uh, you know, comes to fruition. But um, remains to be seen. But it's just so weird how how both levels are just like pretty much the same. Yeah. Anything to add there, Grace? Are you good? Yeah. No, I mean, I was going to say that, yeah, I, I think that adjustments are going to be important. Um you know, in terms of reacting to that, that suffocation, I think is, is the best word for it, Mark of, of, because it, you know, we're, we're a good defensive team as well. Um, and a good, great goaltending. Like you said, I think you're right that without bossy, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, they, they've got seven on us, you know? So it's, it's, I think that it does come down to how are you going to ensure that you do get those, um, you know, rushes, the, the, I mean, pucks on net obviously is, is going to be important, but I think just continuing to make those rushes and, and finding ways to adjust to the suffocation they're doing is going to be the most important part. So I'm, I'm, but I'm hopeful. I think that, I think it looked a little better in the, in the uh, second game than the first. So I, I'm hoping that if they can continue to sort of make those adjustments, I have a lot of uh, faith in, in our offense. So I'm, I'm hopeful. So I hope that, that, that they can make those changes. So Wednesday night uh, down at the XL Center, I don't know. It's 25 minutes uh, away from me. I might take the trip down there where my T-Birds gear get drunk and scream, let's go T-Birds, until both fan bases beat my ass. You'll be um, our lucky charm down there, my friend. Yeah, 
bring it. There, my Springfield <laughs> Indians jersey getting my ass pounded in the parking lot, but that's all right. We'll do it anyway. Um, do we want to touch Grace? I know because again, not my area of expertise, but if you wanted to tell tell us a little bit about uh, the wrap up of the Maine Mariners season, I know you're a Mainer yourself, uh, and they fell in the playoffs. What um, uh, can just maybe walk us through a little bit of how that season ended and what were some of the things you were looking at? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think that I as much as it's hard because same thing <laughs> lost to uh, Reading as well last year, which was tough. Um, so seeing that again, you know, you're hoping for a little bit of Cinderella story, but they played great seven game series lost in six. Um, and I think that uh, I mean, new coach Wallen is a new coach. And I think that what we saw from him is, is huge. And, and I, I don't, uh, I don't fault any particular area. I think that Reading was just in general, the better team as much as I, I, loved watching the Mariners, but we have a pretty young team, a pretty um, consistent, I'm not anticipating a lot of changes. So I think a pretty consistent team, which is, I think a little more rare for um, in the ECHL. So I, I think that with the, the coaching staff continuing through to next year, I think that this was a good example of what a first year under a new head coach can look like. And I think that it gave me a lot of positives I obviously, um, I, I say this to everybody that I think nobody has more fun than an ECHL fan. So um, I, I can't recommend enough if anybody listening has the opportunity to go and watch the Mariners um, next season um, or any of the stuff they do during the summer. I can't recommend it enough. Also, you get to visit Portland. Can't say enough good things about Portland uh, as, oh, as a Mariner myself. So, yep. um, yeah, so definitely I, I feel a lot of positives. Disappointing end, but um I, I think that I, I kind of saw, I think Reading was the better team. I was kind of surprised it went to six in general, um, but I was impressed. And, and I, I am, uh, I'm excited for next season. I think that, that there's a lot of talent uh, on this team. So I'm excited. I, I just I mean, love the, uh, I just love the colors. I, I those Seattle, Seattle uh, Seahawks sort of dark blue with the little electric green through it. That's always, uh, I always oh, like yeah. the electric green or the electric orange. I always think looks so sweet with Navy blue. So no, I got to get, they, I got to get geared up. They've, they've got the, I got to give them that credit. Cause I was, I think I said it to Mark that I grew up going to Portland pirates games. So I, uh, I, it was tough for me when, when there was no team for a while. Sorry. And, um, Sorry. That's our know, bad. Yeah. That's, I was going to say, yeah, I'm not going to, not going to name any names, you know, or anything, but, <laughs> but um, I, I do think that the, the Mariners have got the pirates logo. wasn't exciting. It wasn't fun, but the, Mariners something about it those colors they they do and some of their jerseys they had these like alternate jerseys they wore one day that just looked awesome they were green so I I'm I I look I am definitely as much as I I, you know miss the pirates and I I love the pirates and I'll defend the pirates I uh I've loved you know watching the Mariners these these past couple years so I'm I'm super excited to see see where things go in the future yeah I'm a big fan of the uh the third jersey the Bruins color one with the 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 main uh state you know, picture and, and the sun in the middle of oh, that is so fresh. I got to get one this year. I, that's but, what I said. I said, I wanted one of those. Yeah. Yeah. But shout out to the, to all the uh, members of the main Mariners organization, uh, Boston Bruins uh, continue their affiliation agreement. So that's, that's positive. And uh, the coach got extended as well. Uh, and who knows, because those, those contracts at the ECHL are basically run by week to week, not year by year. So it's a very, you know, some players down there only make it $600 a week. It, it's, it's a grind. It's a total grind. Um, but they do have some really good complimentary pieces that they can bring back next season and hopefully um, get back into, you know, the Kelly cup playoffs after a strong regular season next year. 
and uh, hopefully get out of the first round, you know, and I mean, this is a lot of positives to this Boston Bruins organization and, and having Maine so close has been beneficial to the Providence Bruins because those are the guys you call up immediately when you, when there's an influx in the roster at the NHL level, Providence players go up, Maine come up, you know, it's just, it really works well. And it's also hockey in New England, which is important to keep everything here. It's Bruins related, which drives fans in the and asses in the seats as well. And uh, I, I love Portland. I stay at the Holiday Inn right next door when I go up and cover the uh, the Maine Mariners as a media member. Uh, and I go to the Thirsty Pig for my hot dogs and my 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 good good IPAs, which is right down the street. So uh, Portland's just a great great hockey town. So. Uh, looking forward to next season, obviously, and uh, and continued relationships with um, with them and the and the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I'll be there. In, I'll be there in August. Still family trip up to Portland. Can't wait. Should be fun. Should be fun. Long Get up way the thirsty from, pig, my long man. way from Western Mass, but but uh, we we make it up there for sure. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I was gonna say yeah. Any any uh, any recommendations? I I'll I'll, I'll throw some your way. Right. There are too I'm many gonna... great places. Too many great yeah. places in Portland. Yeah, too many to hit in a short amount of time. So I'll I'll definitely be hitting up Grace <laughs> for sure. Um, so we do have a, uh, a voicemail on the listener hotline. Again, if you ever have any questions or comments or things you want to, uh, to get off your chest or to have us talk about on the show, um, we do have a hotline number nine, seven, eight, five, zero, four, two, seven, two, seven. Um, you can always use us to hashtag ask B and G and you can send that to anybody. Hell, you can send it to grace at uh, G Rob's eight, seven, six, five, one. Again, pleasure to have grace Roberts with us. If you're just tuning in. Uh, it's nice to have her. She's been uh, doing great over the last hour plus. Uh, but you can send it to me, send it to Mark, whatever you'd like. Um, and we do have a message. And since it is the last show of the month, we will be giving away our jersey uh, through our Patreon campaign. Um, so stick around for a little bit. We will have that for you as well. Uh, but first, Mark, if we could, maybe we can get to our message that we have today on the hotline. Absolutely. absolutely. This is from Craig, and and he's a, a fellow Mainer, so... Uh, we got Maine all a lot of, day. A lot today. of Maine talk. Love it, love it. So here's Craig and his question. Hi, my name's Craig. I'm calling from Maine. Uh, and the point I'd like to hear you speak to is the extent to which you think uh, being the best team in hockey, in some ways the best team uh, in hockey history, is affecting the Bruins' play um, these past few games and whether just how tight uh, they are. Um, and whether that's the main issue uh, or whether it's the Panthers play. Hi, my so, name's Craig. I don't. Oh, Craig, I'm oh, calling from me. What's up, Craig? Oh, that was a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> Playing on a loop. It's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from by having a record-breaking season and, and, and a best in the NHL um, and coming into the playoffs and those high expectations and, you know, I don't know. It, it is tough, but I mean, you got to break it down to regular season play and postseason play are totally different, totally different animals. And you have to be prepared for both, obviously. Um, but they just have to do it. You have to have the inner workings. You have to have the pride. You have to have the, you know, the ability to push each player, you know, and, you know, sit on the bench and, and talk, keep talking, get, get the best out of this team. I think Jim Montgomery and coaching staff are going to be real on these guys tonight to, 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 you know, be better, not only now, but in the future, if you uh, happen to get a matchup against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So um, I can, I can understand the concerns definitely, but I think that 
uh, the leadership is going to be uh, is going to be heavily relied on tonight to uh, to get this done. And and I want to see it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, it, it definitely was a valid concern, I think, coming in, whether or not the there was either a lot of pressure or not a lot of pressure. I think I, I do think a little bit of, of it has been, um, you know, on display with with Florida just really not having anything to lose. And we sort of have feeling like we have everything to lose. So, but, and, and I agree. I think that, you know, we say it and everybody says it all the time that, that regular season hockey is, it's a different game and that playoffs are their own um, beast. And, and, you know, this is playoff hockey. It's different, but I also, you know, I think this Bruins hockey is different. I think that this isn't, you know, the same way that the, the matchups and the, the, energy of the games is different in the playoffs. I think that this Bruins team, it's not the one that we were, um, you know, seeing throughout the regular season. I'm not saying it's gone. I'm just saying that I don't, I haven't seen it the way that, you know, we were so used to seeing it and got comfortable seeing it. So I, I think that, I, I think that now there's a lot of, um, I think that this, you know, in the end, if we do make it out of this series, I think this series has been a, a the positive, one of the positives we can look at it is that it has shown, you know, that, hubris is dangerous and that that they're they're teams that are going to be fighting for their lives just as much as you know we've we've been fighting so i think that there there's certainly some degree um that that it probably played a little bit into the first couple games you definitely saw nerves but i'm i'm at this point i think the wake-up call i'm hoping the wake-up call has sort of happened that this is a new beast we have to continue to elevate our game the same way that we you know we have to make those adjustments and, and elevate the way that other teams are elevating now with their uh, backs against the wall. So, but I'm hopeful. Um, I'm ready. I, I agree. I think Montgomery's going to, going to kick it into high gear. I hope I'm uh, so, you know, all we can do now is, is be excited and get ready for a good game tonight. I think. Yeah. And real quick, putting my, my broadcasting nerd hat on, I, I, I don't think that this is as big of has, has weighted on their shoulders as much as, some might think like when the Patriots had their undefeated season, every time Tom Brady took a shit, they were talking about it on ESPN. I mean, every article, every sports station, everything was all about the Patriots, 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 Patriots to the point where everybody in the country hated them. This has flown so under the radar. Um, and I'm a big, you know, I'm a big raid talk radio guy, Felger and Maz, Tusher and Rich, Zolak and Bertrand, the biggest shows, radio shows, they've been radio silent on the Bruins ever since October. Um, so it's not like you tuned in and you heard three hours of Bruins, you know, can they do this? Can they do that? The newspaper articles haven't been there. The Canadian media and hockey media hates the Bruins. So that's the last thing that they've been talking about. Um, the American media, especially in hockey, they don't talk about the fan bases that already have, uh, well, the teams that already have big fan bases, right? So they ignore the Bruins and the Red Wings and because they know there are those teams are already filling buildings. They're worried about, let's see what Trevor Zegras did today. Oh, let's see the, how great the Kraken are playing. Oh, look at this cool thing the Vegas Golden Knights did, right? They don't worry about the fan bases that actually are already there. So as far as I'm concerned, this has been one of the most under-the-radar media uh sort of record-breaking thing I've seen in sports in a long time, probably since the Seattle Mariners broke the Major League Baseball win record, and I think that's just because nobody cares about baseball, and those who do don't give a shit about the Seattle Mariners. So so I, I, I don't think the pressure from that has been – and quite frankly, let's be honest, they didn't chase any records. They didn't change what they were doing. They stayed with their goalie situation. They stayed with the roster situation. They messed around with the back end a little bit, but nothing that would have 
really effed up what they were doing coming towards the playoffs. So uh, I don't think that had an effect on it. I think what Grace said, the Florida Panthers have absolutely nothing to lose. And maybe it's just that the Bruins, again, took themselves out of the goaltender switching every other night thing that is having a little bit of an impact. So, uh, But in terms of the actual record-breaking season, I don't think it's really impacted them. God, that was nerdy. Oh, that was <laughs> – I love it. I love it. He's over. Oh, God, you're just talking about freaking media coverage. <laughs> um, so what do you say, Mark? We got uh, – we'll, we'll sneak this in here. We got our Patreon campaign. We also want to get out of here so Mark can edit this thing and get it up before the game starts. But um, we do have the Patreon campaign, and that's all funded by you, the people, which we greatly appreciate. And as Mark's got there, we're giving away a jersey. Absolutely. So this episode 328 uh, is going to be the uh, the Jerry Chivas jersey hand signed, fully authenticated from uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. And this jersey is going to be given to Cody Stevens. Thank you, Cody, for uh, obviously participating in our Patreon campaign and helping us pay the bills here at the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. Uh, just a little background on the campaign. We It's a dollar per episode. So you donate a buck and we take half of the uh, the winnings. I'm, I'm sorry, we take half of your dollar and pay the bills here. But we take the other half and put it into future hand-signed jerseys from either a current player or an alumnist. So um, if you want to get on board and spice up that fan cave uh, because you'd need it, just clear out everything, Red Sox, Celtics, and Patriots, and get black and gold on it, please. Uh, but please go to um, – please go to – Patreon.com slash Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and donate just $1 per episode. We'd certainly appreciate it. And congratulations to Cody. I know he's going to uh, love this. So, um, yeah, get on board if you want to win some great stuff for a small investment. I root for any Stevens. Scott Stevens, Cody Stevens, Steve Eiserman. I'm all in on the Steves. So congratulations <laughs> there, Cody. We appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who, uh, who donates to our Patreon account and um, helps us get in here and do this every week. Uh, we really appreciate it. One thing I wanted to bring up before we go, this was tweeted uh, about a half hour ago from at Boston Sports Inf, who's a great follow. He clearly didn't have enough characters for the O, so it's not Boston Sports Info. It's Boston Sports Inf. Um, Bruins Game 7 career numbers playing for any team. Uh, Bergeron leads the way with 13, uh, 11 points in 13 games. Number two, yes, David Krejci, 11 games played, 10 points. So me, I'm, you know, here I am sitting there going bench the guy. Maybe that's not the right play just based on history, but um, and Brad Marchand, 10 games played seven points and a plus 11. So um, I expect some pretty big things here from Brad Marchand again, and I haven't seen it, but I have to assume that outside of the stalls, uh, I, I mean, uh, the, the Florida Panther roster can't have that many game sevens under their belts. I mean, they're, they're young and they're, they got ousted early last year. I mean, Bobrovsky from what I remember has, not performed well in game sevens. So I got to assume that the experience there is not nearly as close as it is for the Bruins. So maybe that's something else that'll be, um, that'll be a big factor. Of course, they had also never won a game six when facing elimination in their franchise history. And they just did that a couple nights ago. So uh, the numbers are what they are, um, but uh, certainly something to look forward to. Uh, Grace, thank you so much for coming today. This was an absolute blast. You are welcome back anytime. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this <clears throat> and, um, uh, it's, we're thrilled to have you again, everybody give her a follow at G Rob's eight, seven, six, five, one, um, anytime. And Mark, you know, this has been great. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A pleasure to have grace on Uh diehard Bruins fan from down in the Carolinas, formerly from Maine. Um, but, um, 
know, it was, it was really cool that you reached out and, and uh, hopefully, definitely, definitely, hopefully you come back on uh, soon. We will definitely talk about that later. Uh, I think we've got some good stuff um, uh, going on in the future. And uh, I like the chemistry so far from uh, this one episode. So we will definitely be in touch with you, madam. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much. I had so much fun. I love talking Bruins and everything with you guys. So I can't thank you enough for having me on. It's been a, it's been a blast. I can't wait, hopefully, to do some more with y'all. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully next time we talk, we're still in the playoffs. That's going to be the hope. Um, but of course, this episode 328 brought to you uh, by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Claim your $200 welcome bonus. Everybody enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Keep your heart rate nice and low uh, for this one tonight if, as best we can. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Let's go, bees! Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.